This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Right. So let's uh, now uh, turn our attention back again to the courts. You know, this is uh, the busiest place to be in South Africa. I maintain it. If you're still considering a career change or you're a young person listening to me and considering uh, what to do with your life in the future, you want to be a lawyer because we are a litigious uh, country. Well, yesterday, the South Gauteng Division of the Higher Court reserved judgment in the application brought by the President Cyril Ramaphosa for an interdict against the private prosecution proceedings initiated by his predecessor, Jacob Zuma. Where else in the world do you find a president trying to, a former president, you know, attempting to prosecute um, a, a sitting president only in South Africa. Well, in December last year, the former president initiated a private prosecution against Mr. Ramaphosa, accusing him of being an accessory after the fact in a criminal offense involving state advocate Billy Downer. Benedict Perez, a legal analyst, he joins us on the line. Good morning to you and thanks so much for your time. Good morning, Titi. It's a pleasure to be on. Right. So let's just, you know, this case is so multi-layered. I mean, uh, I don't know whether it was any possible for uh, the case to be argued without delving into the merits. And that uh, uh, ended up happening a lot yesterday. But I mean, there's so many things that, uh, I mean, for example, I was thinking there were issues around the Nolle Prosecute Certificate, whether it was correctly issued. And uh, one of the things that I was also wondering is that uh, how could you be uh, brought forward as an uh, you know as, you know as an accused in a matter where you're accused of being an accomplice to a crime when that crime itself hasn't been um, established yet? Maybe if you could just uh, break it down for us in terms of what, what what's playing out here. Yeah, and, and I think you've got the nub of it, Titi, because you know what what the case is actually about is. How do we pass the obligation of the state, the NPA, to prosecute someone onto a private individual? Um, and if you accept that, you know, if you sort of pass that baton from one to the other, there has to be an administrative process that is adhered to, then you can understand why the question of the knowledge prosecute certificate is important, as well as the question of uh, the private prosecutor putting up security is important because we have to safeguard the method within which a private individual has the ability to prosecute another private individual. Uh, and that's why then there's a zooming in on the knowledge prosecute certificate because if you have that certificate in hand, then I would argue that it has to specifically refer to the person that mm, mm. you would want to prosecute. Otherwise, it's not hard to see a situation of abuse where you could throw in names in an affidavit mm -hmm. which do not uh, uh, show themselves as suspects uh, or accomplices um, and then subsequently turn back and prosecute those very pe people for whatever purposes you may have, mm. even though they were not contemplated within the charge. And similarly, the question of security is very important because as a litigant mm. who is or maybe dragged into a private prosecution, you'd want the comfort that if you are successful, you could get those legal fees recovered. Mm. So, and that's what the matter's about. And what the president is saying is, well, there is no knowledge prosecute certificate. 
and there's no security provided. So mm. the baton has not passed from the NPA into, into Mr. Zuma's hand in a lawful manner. And if the president had to submit himself to an unlawful process or a process that started unlawfully, that would be detrimental to his rights. So in a nutshell, that is really what is happening. Mm. So, you know, issues around um, a title to prosecute are not quite squarely here. And in mm. my view, Mr. Zuma is only raising those uh, in an attempt to show that he may be getting uh, a, a different treatment to the president, which isn't the case because, uh, you know, it properly characterized the matter is not the same as Mr. Zuma's matter in his corruption trial. Something that uh, his legal representative, as a legal representative of uh, the former president, has uh, uh, put across quite sharply was the issue of the fact that, no, when you are issued with a summons, you need to respond to it and, uh, you know, by showing yourself in court, and then you can argue the merits thereafter. Do they have a case in that? that if it were anybody else issued with a summons, we would have to present ourselves to a court and then go uh, uh, defend ourselves there. Yeah, I, I think that's a correct legal proposition when you have a validly issued summons. So if the summons I'm presented with uh, reflects a proper private prosecution certificate, an only prosecution certificate, mm. as well as um, uh, the security for costs, then I have to go and present myself in court uh, to the criminal court and argue what I need there. Right. But what uh, Mr. Zuma hasn't appreciated is that in the line of cases since 1950, including into our constitutional dispensation, the courts have said, yes, it is to be preferred that you pre- present yourself at the criminal trial and argue your uh, matter there. However, the doors of the court are not closed to stop unlawful processes. So if the process itself started unlawfully, you have an ability and a remedy in law um, to rectify an unlawful administrative action. And there's no reason why you should submit yourself to an unlawful process uh, to do that. You can actually do that within the context of the civil court. And that's where the, you know, the, the discussion yesterday uh, over the two days has gone between jurisdiction mm. and prematurity. Mm. It's really going to that point. But I think Mr. Zuma's counsel hasn't appreciated the full import of the case law that the court will have to apply to say the doors are not closed uh, to the president in this respect, because what he's actually attacking is the administrative process Mm. within which the right to prosecute passed from the NPA to Mr. Zuma. Mm. Mm. Um, And uh, I mean... uh so to the extent that, I mean, as I said, I, it sounds like a lot of the, the merit, or maybe let me ask the question this way. Does the case fall on uh, all, uh, all, do those, all of those elements that you have just outlined have to be present, or can it fall on any one of them being present? For example, if an only prosecutor is defective, if or alone, if there's no security that has been put forward? Yes, if one of the two is present, so if the court finds that the knowledge prosecutor is defective or that there's no security, that should be sufficient for the president um, to be successful in his application. But what the relief will be, most likely, is that the court will send the decision back to the DPP uh, to rectify that knowledge prosecutor or really make the decision again. Um, it's unlikely that the president will get an interdict to stop Mr. Zuma from ever 
prosecuting him. Ah, yes, that's, that's the other not, element. Yeah. Mm. Yes, that's not relief that's usually granted within a review uh, context. And that relief would go to other aspects of uh, the president's case, which he raised almost as an alternative. Mm. Those are aspects around um, the prosecution has been instituted for an improper purpose, um, etc. Right. So those were the aspects that would fit into the interdict. But I think the manner that the, the matter has progressed is that essentially the court will focus itself on whether those two aspects are present. And if it does agree that one of them is not present, it will not have a reason to actually delve into the further aspects of the case, which may deal with improper motives, for instance, uh, and the relief that would flow from that. Mm, mm. Very interesting. I think it's, it's just uh, been a fifth. Nothing else, I tell you. Um, uh, the presi- former president has added some very interesting layers to the, um, you know, our jurisprudence. In as far as it relates to the actual prosecution of, uh, is there a connection at all in uh, the sense that uh, in as far as the prosecution or, or pu- private prosecution of uh, Billy Downer and uh, journalist Karen Morn, uh, will this case have any bearing on it at all? It shouldn't have a bearing because the, the, the grounds of attack are slightly different. Mm. The president's grounds of attack are specifically within um, an administrative review basis or province, whereas Billy Downer's grounds of attack are related to uh, the motives for the private prosecution. So the test that the court will be interp- uh, will be applying, the different courts, uh, will be different in this particular respect. Mm-hmm. How does the NPA come out of this one, in your view? Because I think they were also... Uh, it was they came up quite, uh, of course, in terms of their role in all of this, uh, and even suggestions at some point from the judges that, uh, uh, from the judge that if they were to, um, you know, find there were to be adverse findings made against the NPA, that they could face serious consequences. Yeah, I think the you know, and and I think this is important. What, uh, for instance, the amicus curiae was invited to address the court on yesterday uh, goes to the independence of the NPA and the manner in which they conduct prosecution. Mm. So I think what Mr. Zuma has brought to the table in this particular manner is the potential partiality of uh, the NPA and what Advocate Ngalwana has called prosecutorial inertia. So I think this matter will be important insofar as how the NPA decides uh, how to prosecute or not to prosecute matters, uh, and will add another layer of accountability insofar as at least when it decides not to prosecute, uh, we'll have sufficient safeguards to enable um, private citizens to continue those prosecutions where the NPA could have been compromised, for instance. And I think in this particular instance, it's quite clear that the NPA uh, didn't handle this matter as well as it could have. Um, and that will certainly be something for them to contemplate uh, in the future. Of course, this is all happening in the greater context of another case, and that is uh, the criminal matter against the former President Jacob Zuma himself. If he is unsuccessfully in uh, you know, blocking this interdict application, does the avenue to appeal that exist, which of course could uh, further delay the start of his uh, criminal matter? Certainly, the, the avenue to appeal would um, exist in this particular instance. 
fortunately, we have one other layer that has been removed in the sense that the courts constituted as a full bench immediately from the get-go and not one judge. So he'll, you know, he'll be able to appeal directly to the SCA. Uh, so at least we have one layer of the, the appeal process removed. And, and I think that was um, good thinking on part of the DJP in, in Johannesburg. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, the Ramaphosa private prosecution uh, really has very minimal bearing on Mr. Zuma's corruption case. I mm. think the one that has uh, a big impact on Mr. Zuma's corruption case is the Billy Downer private prosecution because that goes directly to the question of whether Billy mm. Downer mm. should actually be prosecuting him uh, under that case. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for breaking it down for us. Benedict Perry, legal analyst, and of course, an attorney uh, himself. I appreciate your time. A pleasure. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.